You're listening to Girls with Grafts, a burn community podcast created by Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors, a leading nonprofit dedicated to supporting the burn community. In this podcast, we'll talk with burn survivors, share resources to help with supporting and improving burn recovery, and discuss how to prevent burn injuries. Here are your hosts, burn survivors and Phoenix Society's marketing team, Amber Wilcox and Rachel Kudlak. Hello, and welcome to the season one finale of Girls with Graphs. I am Rachel, and I'm joined today with my lovely co-host, Amber Wilcox. Hi there, everyone. I'm so excited that we are, you know, at our season finale, but just because season one is over doesn't mean that there aren't exciting things to come. Um, But before we get started on our season finale, we have some really special guests But I want to send a special thank you to our season one podcast sponsor, Pritzker Hakeman. Without them, this would not be possible. So we just want to thank you uh, for all of that. But with that, I'm going to turn it back over to you, Rachel, because I think uh, you want to introduce our very exciting uh, guests here. Yes, I'm so excited. So we have two guests for our season finale. And the one is actually a returnee, I think. She may be the first returnee guest that we've ever had on Girls With Grass. I think so. So I'm so excited to have Jennifer Harris, who is a clinical social worker and therapist based in Boston, Massachusetts, back with us today. Um, for If you missed her first uh, podcast, I highly encourage you go listen to it. It was a great, great episode. Um, and if this is the first time you're hearing from Jen, well, she works with people living with life transitions, trauma, bereavement, end of life, grief, life losses, and chronic illnesses and burns with compassion while acknowledging the unique experience of each person. So Jen, we are so happy to have you back on the podcast. Hey guys, it's so great to see both of your beautiful faces again. I'm (laughs) excited to be back and to be joined by one of my other favorite people, (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. So we also have Richard Casillas joining us. He is a burn survivor and Phoenix Soar Peer supporter. I know a lot of people may recognize Rich in our community, but for those who don't, um, like I said, Rich is a burn survivor and he works as a California geologist professional based in the Northern California region. And as a Phoenix Soar peer supporter and peer support trainer, he is energized by assisting burn survivors to learn to rebuild their self-confidence and advocate for themselves and others in the burn community. So thank you so much, Rich, for joining us today. Awesome. Thank you so much for the invitation. This is this is a really, I'm so excited. Thank well, you. we're so happy to have you here, Rich. It's uh... Rich is one of the first faces I met when I uh, joined my peer support, virtual support group, uh, and as was Jen. So this is a really special day to have you both on here. We appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. Yes, Love we're working so... with Jen, too. Yes, I know. You guys are making such a great duo on the podcast. So, Jen, welcome back. And, you know, since... I hope a lot of our listeners listen to your first podcast and know a little bit about you. I want to start with Rich. And do you just mind sharing a little bit more about yourself and your journey as a burn survivor? Mm, sure. Um, I I was uh, injured um, in 1989. Uh, and it's been, you know, I'm, I'm from California, but uh, I 
I was in Southern Oregon when, when I had my accident. So I, I was at the uh, Oregon Burn Center in Portland, Oregon, and it just uh, woke me up to, to a whole new world, a whole new community. Um, and uh, after you know, a month and a half, two months in, in Oregon, coming back to California, it really felt like uh, a long journey that um, that was wholly unique. Um, so I, I've just been, um, uh, now I'm in, in uh, the northern part of California because I was in Southern California earlier when I was uh, burn injured. And it's just been, uh, it's been really a lot of fun. I get to, to work and volunteer with uh, the, uh, the great aftercare team at uh, UC Davis Health here in the uh, Sacramento area. And so I, I've just been, I think I've been blessed because it's really, I'm not the same guy that, that, uh, you know, I've had people tell me, Rich, you, you, after your injury, you really, you're, you're different. So I'm thinking, mm -hmm. yeah, I hope it's, <laughs> I hope it's good, <laughs> but, but I, I, I don't try to press my luck with that because, because then, then it starts to degrade into into well you used to do this and then it's like all right all right so those are bad habits <laughs> <laughs> well rich can you tell us a little bit about your first experience with peer support so i know i believe um a a lady named pam came oh. to visit you um and i've heard this story but i think our listeners or our viewers probably haven't so you want to tell us about your first experience with peer support because i believe that's what drove you to i think want to do the same correct Totally, totally. And thank you for asking. Um, Pam Maxson is a burn survivor in um, Portland, Oregon. And we had the same uh, burn surgeon. And, uh, you know, time is, I can't tell when this happened, but it was clearly, you know, into the into the progress. But he came in during one round and said, you know, you have, there's some your, the pattern of your injuries and your legs look just like a, a, a another patient of mine he says I'm gonna have I'm gonna have them come in and talk to you and it's like you know in this ear out the other yeah. and um, it was sometime maybe a few days or so later in walks this cute little pretty blonde woman you know white sundress and just smiling and talking and introduced you know i i was introduced by by the uh, the burn nurse uh, my burn nurse tom and and he's always got this crafty smile like you know you devil you you know <laughs> so i'm thinking i think it was so nice and here here she was talking to me and explaining what uh, dr smiley had been saying that god pattern and when she talks about her, her legs were were red like hamburger meat and her the way she came across it was so uh, she made me feel so uh, empowered to listen first of all here I'm a boy and getting visited by this really pretty woman and it's like it's like did I wake up and and uh, you know, is it, is it drugs? But no, it, it, it really, she asked some great questions. She, she made me feel like, you know what, 
this is not the end. Because if I can look as if I, my legs can look as good as hers, I mean, my mine were were wrapped and and curlex and just it was just a mess. Um, so you you're you're in the hospital bed and you have you're you're so uh, focused on on yourself and your bed, mm-hmm. you don't have time to look outward. And you know, while nurses and doctors will tell you one thing, to have this young woman come in and tell me, I'm, you know, I, I'm a house fire survivor. It's, you know, it, it was, it was traumatic, but you too will, will rise above and will, you know, once you're out, let's, let's have lunch type thing. And it's like, it's like, mm. it's like, it hit me that I don't, I'm not, this is, this is not the end. This is, it was really the beginning. So, you know, Pam is, Pam is my. BF. And you're still friends to this day, to my um, understanding. I oh. met Pam not too long ago and you guys are still pretty close friends. Yeah, we are. We are. I, I, there was a point in our friendship. I told Pam, I said, Pam, I'd, I'd ask you to marry me, but I know you don't like spicy food i said i'm <laughs> i'm all about picante you know i'm you know, and, and she because we when we finally did uh start to uh, have lunch and engage and i'd go up to portland to visit and to get some aftercare work um she she has a great palate but she doesn't like spicy food and then, you know <laughs> the, latino, the latino in me you know wants everybody to enjoy so <laughs> forgive me if, forgive me if you guys don't like spicy food but we can still have we can still break bread all of us <laughs> oh my gosh well it sounds like that one peer support visit really changed so much for you and i mean that's something we hear from survivors all the time and i can relate to that too you know it may have not been my first peer support visit but i can think back to when i was growing up and pinpoint you know certain conversations that just stay with me today. Um, And so Jen, is there like, is there a science behind why peer support is so powerful? Or why, why can we all remember these peer support moments so powerfully? Yeah, so I think um, I was um, remembering um, that Karen Badger, who is a psychologist, an educator, a researcher, um, a done beautiful research in different parts of the burn community from providers to survivors has done done a couple of articles that she's done with some other researchers on peer support specifically for the burn survivor community um and and for people who don't know karen she's also a board member of the phoenix society and longtime supporter and she's just a a wonderful wonderful thoughtful human being um and I was reading, I asked her to send me some of her articles yesterday. Um, and, and I loved, you know, I think, I think we think that um, psychology is a science of the capital S. Um, but, you know, we're not, it's not like an exact science, right? Like human beings, um, our stories are unique. How we're impacted is unique. But there are generalities to what can be really helpful and healing, Right. And so what I loved in her articles and what I took from them, and and it's just sort of like what we kind of know anecdotally, but what some of her research was showing, um, really some more evidence-based practice is just the, the power of sitting with another person 
right? Like that develops resiliency. We know in resili- there's a, lot, a couple of things that we know now about that helps with resiliency um, to just know that it's possible, right? Um, but then also there's sort of that ease that we've talked about before um, um, that I know you all have seen in peer support and virtual peer support of just like being able to like just be able to own your own story with somebody there who's going to get it. You don't have to explain yourself, right? Um, you just know that that person's instantly going to get it. But I think, you know, what I took away from one of her her research the most is that I th- is that at people walk away feeling better, right? That it has a positive impact. Like, is it going to be life-changing? Maybe for some folks it will be. They'll be finally get this light bulb moment of like, oh my gosh, I wish I had done that sooner. Um but I, I think more importantly, it's just the the power of being able to have autonomy to start owning, to start working with your own um, your own healing and having that support to do that and encouragement to do that. Um, so I think a lot of folks think that peer support is like having this cheerleader, and that's and that's part of it. But I think it's more so just having somebody to sit and say like, I get it, I understand, um, you know, and whether it's similar similar burn patterns. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll never, yeah, I'll never forget the moment I like joined my first peer support meeting, right. Yeah. Of thinking, um, you just feel so alone and because you're not mm-hmm. used to it and your legs and, you know, rich, I also had leg injuries. And so my legs are wrapped. My husband's doing dressing changes by himself. And the two of us are just new to all of this mm-hmm. and it can be very scary. So to get on the phone call with someone who not only understands, but can relate and, and help kind of ease your, your fears is, I think very powerful thing. Absolutely. And yeah. and I think the other piece of that too is it's they're not correcting you, right? Like in peer support, they're not correcting you, telling you how to have to do it. Um, and Rich, I'm gonna always steal your line. I say it to my clients, my private practice, like we're not gonna shut on ourselves. Like that's not what peer support's about. It's truly about someone saying, No, you got this. Like, you know, I'm here to figure it out. This is what worked for me, this is how I figured it out. And you know, and what you what you're doing is, you know, we're here to support you in that. Yeah, you're, mo- you're basically you're modeling success that, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I, you know, and I would tell my people mm-hmm. that I'm meeting with, I said, ah, my room was two doors over. I said, you too, this is going to be great. I, and I would tell them, you know, you measure your success on a daily basis, mm-hmm. you know, start, this is a journey to walk, literally walk, you know, one day at a time, one step at a time, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally, I'm, I'm always interested to hear that, that, that reinforcement, that, mm. that positive feeling that you get. I, I get it as, as a survivor and I get it as a peer supporter. Yeah. It's, it's delightful. Yeah. Yeah. And also like that, having someone join in and be like, no, I got it. I've been there. Like, right. I have actually... Mm. I felt that frustration. I felt that impatience. I felt that um, despair or like, what's my life going to look like? And how could this even be possible? And to have someone who's like, yeah, no, I've been there. Um, and this is what's possible. This is, you know, I think, yeah, it's so power- it is, it's really powerful. Jen, we've talked about this before a little bit, but I think when experiencing trauma, right, there's a lot of research around those who have experienced trauma and peer support specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so why is that trauma piece, like the emotional piece, you know, we all know that physical, the physical healing can be really helpful, but I, and I think we touched on this a little bit in our, in the podcast we did together last, mm-hmm. but why is, why is that emotional side, like the trauma side, so important to have that support, you know, the counseling and mental health 
support is always helpful, but I know you mentioned in your last that you also always love to recommend peer support, right? So why is that? Yeah. Um, there's something that happens in trauma and I, and you guys can jump in if you have experienced this, um, that I think it instantly isolates us like emotion, like, right. Like, like no one's going to understand, you know, I think, um, I've heard this beautiful analogy, um, of it kind of like, we kind of like go out on our own islands, right? No one's going to understand my experience is so unique and nobody could ever identify with it. Right. Um, my life is so unique and it puts us on its own little Island. Mm-hmm. And I think when there is, what if, what and it, and it almost is like, you're the only human being who's experienced this, right. In this own little Island, despite there's 8 billion people in the world, <laughs> majority have experienced trauma to some level. Right. And so it does that. I think trauma instantly does that, that site, that self-isolation, no one's going to understand. No one's going to like me. My life is over. Like all these negative, negative thoughts that trauma brings with it. And some of those, and from my standpoint, um, as a clinician, a mental health clinician, it's sort of those ego talk, that is protecting you, right? Creating fear, protecting you from being more emotionally hurt. The irony of that is it's more emotionally hurting us, right? And so just having that one um, person or that group, if it's, you know, it's a peer support group that, you know, the, the fan study does virtually, um, just to be able to like take that risk, that vulnerability, which feels so terrifying, maybe even more terrifying than the accident or injury that you sustained itself. And just taking that one step, the vulnerability, right? Because our, our brains are going to tell us the vulnerability is the same thing as the injury you just had, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's not, emotionally, we can survive, right? Um and just take that one step to join, to come and join with others. Come, come join our islands. We're all this little, little new continent over here, um, or big continent over here and come join with us. And we're not going to take away from your experience, but we're going to support you in that. Right. Um, and so I think that's what's so powerful is it, it kind of allows you to start moving your little islands closer to the continent with that you were used to be part of. And especially when we're, we're using some of the same, language that we're going yeah my my itching or or this is happening and and across the room or across the divide someone says oh me too and it's like we it suddenly clicks that that you know what i i'm not alone (laughs) you know it's validating who yeah yeah gosh you you said it's it's such a validation that that i'm not whining this is really bothering me Yeah. yeah Yeah. I love that you said that language too, because it's, um, you know, as, as providers, especially if we're not, not burn survivors, which I'm not, you know, even though I am work in this community and love this community and hear all this language all the time, it doesn't, it doesn't connect for me to use it all the time. But if you've experienced Mm -hmm. it, you're going to use that a lot. And that is, I love that you said that, like, it's just that instant connection of like, we got it. And, you know, Rich, you had said, um, and you hear this all the time, like, the, especially if we're inpatient, like the, you know, everybody around me was telling me get peer support, you know, it'd be helpful. You can do this. Like it does, it goes in one ear and out the other, but it is this, what mm-hmm. once I think I love that you said, like, once you hear that language, it's almost like that, like that your antennas yeah. go up and you're like, ah, connection. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It's, I think it's you ma- feel more magical. normal, right? Like when yeah. 
I feel more normal when I hear Britch say, like, I went through, right, this phase mm -hmm. where I was, and the emotional, but also the physical, right? Like to know, okay, like the, and a lot of our survivors love to, when you talk about PTSD, right? So if I'm feeling those symptoms and signs of things that scare us, um, I think that being able to go, oh, like, this isn't, this isn't something that's not, right? It's, it's something that someone else has experienced, and I feel less like I'm out of my own head, I think, which is helpful. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah, definitely. And because I can remember too, one time at World Burn Congress, I was in um, the adults burned as children uh, support group. And I was actually more so there. That was the first like in-person support group I really ever went to. And I was just kind of trying to take everything in at the conference. And it's funny, just even listening to other people, I'm like, Oh, yeah, that I did feel like that when I was growing up, or like, maybe even things I'm not currently going through, but it also just validated previous experiences too. like, oh, okay, that's normal. That wasn't me being yeah. weird or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because well, you're, feel, you're the best that. one. Yeah. Good and I love that too, because I think with, I think with providers, especially again, if we're not, you know, if we, we haven't sustained a burn injury, I think, you know, they, they see everything so much and so much and they are experts, like, right. Like they're experts and they're wonderful and they're great and they've seen it um, and they continue to see it all and support people. But to hear them say it's normal, I don't think connects as much, but to hear somebody else mm -hmm. who you know has walked those shoes to hear them say it's normal. It's almost like, Oh, Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jen, it's it's magical too, though that I don't I don't ever think that oh, Jen can't empathize with me because she's not a survivor. Yeah. Your your skill is is bringing people to the conversation yeah. to have what and because I I just see that the the sparks that that start connecting yeah. and. It's like oh, that, Jen. She she asked this in a way that that made us talk about it, and it's like, you know, and she's and, and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, good, it, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's it's a skill, and I love it. I love you for that. I really well, do. and I and I think you know, for people who've joined the virtual support groups, I think what we try to do as facilitators is really lean into the knowledge and the wisdom um, and the lived shared experience of the people participating, right? To really put it back, you you know who you are, you know what your experience is. Um, and I, so yeah, I think there's also, I think in, in the peer support, this there's this shared helping that Karen also talks about, like, right? Like we talk, it's human to want to help others. It's also human to want to need help, but, we're going to like, oh, I'm good. I want to me. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, so be, peer support also, you know, Rich, I know you've talked about this, so you can share even more that like as much as I love supporting the group, I keep learning, like, right. I keep learning more and more um, and listening to other stories and things that occur for me. Mm -hmm. And Jen, you brought something up there. I kind of want to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, we do hear from survivors in the hospital or even mm -hmm. outside the hospital who don't want peer support. They're either, you know, I'm good, I don't want it, or whatever the, an excuse may be. But what advice would the both of you give to, you know, one trying to show the power of peer support mm. and how it can be beneficial? Or maybe someone who's listening to this and it's like, maybe I should get support and maybe they're hesitant. <laughs> 
it it's it's really and I'm sorry to jump in there, Jen, but it's, I've in my years of of providing support to the burn community, whether it's the whether it's the caregivers or the patient or the survivor him or herself, it's it falls into cultural, it falls into pride. It falls into fear. I've never had to ask this question. I've never had to show this vulnerability. I don't want to talk about this. No. And and it really comes down to making that person comfortable enough to let, to open up. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Well, and I think too, Rich, I think what's so hard is that we live in a society that is very individualistic, mm -hmm. right? honoring that. Um, right. <laughs> and, um, and I think, you know, when I worked on the burn unit, you know, even though the unit I worked on uh, understood the peer support understood and really wanted um, to have that, you know, if somebody says no, somebody says no, we can't like force it. I mean, Richard, yeah. you had somebody walk in, times are different now, you know, we can't do that. Um, and so being able to just, I think, keep presenting it, because people are going to say no, they're gonna be like, no, mm -hmm. and I think often what I would hear too is like, no, I'm good. Because also on the burn unit, I think people get, get such great care. Occupational therapists are wonderful. And PT, you get that. Even, you know, the nurses and the uh, nurse practitioners and like everybody, you know, this team effort, um, people really feel supported by their team. So like, no, I'm good. I got it too. Right. And the other thing I hear from burn survivors is like, I don't want to hear somebody else's like wallowing in their story. Right. Or I don't want self-pity. Like, I don't want someone to pay, come in and pity me. And I, I've i yet in my experience of people, hearing people's one-on-one -on -one stories, people's virtuals, everybody, anybody ever feeling that. It's mm. just not going to happen. But I think our egos are going to tell us as a thing to not do it. And so, you know, I guess in our virtual support group the other day, I'll sh I won't share specifically who was talking about this, but it was a topic a conversation of, Sometimes I get I get in this rut where it's like I don't need it, I don't want it, I can't go like to mm. work group, and I would lean into that no, I would, I would lean into that ego talk. Um, mm. just, nope, you're good, or nope, it's too scary, or nope, 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 and lean into that and challenge it and step into the mm. moment to say to say yes, let me try it on. Yeah, we hear it a lot too. I think, or I've heard it a lot of. Um, I'm afraid to talk, right? And how many survivors go for their first time and like, and I know I was uh, guilty of this, of just like tears, right? Because um, mm -hmm. I couldn't even get, like there was so much built up that I couldn't get anything out. And so just wanting to sit there and listen. And mm -hmm. I think that's a misconception. I think that I heard a lot of like, you have to talk mm -hmm. to go into peer support. Um, and there's a lot of options to just sit and listen or sit and be with the people in the room around you that I think is so important. Rich, um, you are a peer supporter for UC Davis, but you also um, joined some of Phoenix Society's support groups, um, one being the virtual support group that Jen helps facilitate. There's also that peer support chat that you work with us on as well. So um, I guess my question is, is there a best way in your opinion to get peer support? Um, and um, why do you like the different ways that there is to get support? I, I like the, uh, let me answer that last question first. And that's a great question because um, the dimensions of aftercare, the, the dimensions of peer support are, are 
this is it's so it's mind blowing now. I think when when we first connected uh, this morning, I told you, I, I, my tail's wagging. This was this mm -hmm. is just another valuable way to reach the burn community. There's, you know, uh, it has all the marks of so that the Facebook uh, private group is is great for certain people because we find a lot of people are sitting in the room and just listening. Listening is incredibly powerful because they're seeing these words um, that that they themselves have used. The virtual is great because I can watch the, the faces in the room, just like in, in an in-person setting where I'm, I'm co-facilitating with my nurse outreach coordinator. You know, we're we're watching the expressions. We're watching, are they are they getting it? Are they are they do they have a burning question? Oh, didn't mean to say that. Do they have a question that they really uh, want to ask? Or or you can see the emotion. So the virtual is is my preference. I'm sort of a social animal like that because I'd like to watch the 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 expressions and. Um, it's I've even had phone conversations one on one with it because you 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 get better at, at when you practice, you get better at listening mm -hmm. to those keywords and they're going back to that, you know, he or she's coming back to bringing that same thing up. They have a they have a concern about it. Let's talk about it. So mm -hmm. I, I think the, the question is, uh, is there a is there one preferred? I, I, I have a personal preference, but that's just because I, I like the virtual presentation of it as I do the in-person. But, you know, because of COVID, they shut us uh, down. We're just now opening up our mm -hmm. next our next month will be will be a hybrid. Um, did I answer the question? <laughs> you did. And Jen, do you have anything to add to that? I think um, is there a preferred method that you think? to get support? I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I think try on what, try it on. Just again, step into that, take that, you know, as Brene Brown talks about, have the courage to be vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. Have that courage. And I do think, I think Facebook is great um, for chat. It's a great introduction to just, um, I think, I think what probably inhibits Facebook a little bit, you probably don't hear as much of like, as Rich was saying, like the inflection of people's voices um, and, 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 probably not as in-depth of the story because that's a lot to type. Right? Um, mm -hmm. It's a great place to just for like. Me. <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, so, you know, try that on, take a look at it. But I think the, you know, I think it could go two ways. I think one-on-one -on -one can be intense for some folks. Also, I think it can be a way to feel safer for some folks, right? Depends on who you are. Um, I don't think there's a right or wrong, but I think, you know, our virtual support group, um, the Feast Society does. There are others around the country, like Rich has talked about. Um, those are also great. And because you can just sit and listen. And I think if you're feeling like, I don't want to talk, that's okay. No one's going to make you. But if you get to just hear someone else's story and that mm. helps connect for you of like, oh, this is normal or I have experienced that. I think Amber, like you talked about like those tears that you had, um, it probably of relief, tears of relief, but also totally. tears of love. Like that, like, oh my gosh, I showed up and mm. I do feel something, right? I do mm -hmm. feel more connected to 
myself to others to right my island is joining a little bit more with the continent um so, yeah love that analogy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean for me personally i value that group setting um i get a little intimidated with the one-on-one it just especially if you're maybe a little bit more hesitant like you said that group is a great way to yeah just kind of feel out the water and just Mm kind of get into it without you know having a one-on-one and feeling the need to talk yeah i love that well and i think for people who haven't done one-on-one what i i appreciate the phoenix society approach to connecting with peer support and you know this and this was put together over years by you know, I don't know if you know, but like people who are survivors and survivors and providers who put together this beautiful training um, and been really thoughtful. And and the idea is ideally you would be matched with a trained peer supporter. So somebody who's been trained by the Phoenix Society who they've vetted, the hospitals have vetted um, in the area, which I, I love. Um, you know, somebody who's really ready and able in their healing mm-hmm. process to go to that, to be able to they're in the right space to be able to help you in an appropriate way, right? Because mm-hmm. um, there is a methodology to totally. helping other people, mm-hmm. right? Because you've got us Absolutely. Yeah. But then also doing it match. Like we just, I, we know that like the matching, not just like burn type, but more so like mm-hmm. age, um, ethnicity. Um, yeah, yeah, some of burn injury for sure is helpful. Um, but gender, um, you know, sexuality experience. So like all of that, you know, it's never going to be, a, you don't want mm-hmm. to look in the mirror and see yourself. Right. Um, but someone who has some, who can speak similarly. Mm-hmm. I have a harder time as a supporter to maybe relate to somebody who's an amputee because I didn't go through that. And so when uh, you're looking, if you look at peer support, right. Finding someone who, um, has been through that experience, it, it's more difficult probably for me to give that kind of you know, peer support, I can, but it it's not as like, I can't relate to the same thing. So I find myself, there's someone who's had similar burns in the same location. It's easier for me to relate to that person for sure. Mm-hmm. Rich, yeah. speaking of that, um, we, we're talking a lot about the Phoenix SOAR program, um, which is a program, yes, developed by the Phoenix Society. And uh, we're in about 80 hospitals and burn units across the country, um, which is very exciting. <laughs> but Rich, um, I want to talk a little bit about the Phoenix SOAR program as it relates to the survivor. So why did you want to become a Phoenix SOAR supporter? And, and further, you want to talk a little bit about your experience as now a trainer as well. Thank you. That's a great. That's a great question. And uh, I felt it was probably a year after I had been flying back up to Portland. You know, I lived in Bakersfield down, down the Southern Valley, uh, Southern Central Valley, and I always came away from these uh, peer support sessions or group meetings so energized and so feeling like I got to give back. I just wanted to help others feel that positivity that I felt. And that was the, the, the click that said, you can do that if you'd like to join, if you'd like to get the right training to do this. And so um if i'm if i'm responding to your question it it was an internal thing that i felt i needed to have a way to give back 
and I'm I'm often approached by people to say, how can I give back? And um, I talk to them about being what it takes to be a peer supporter. And it's not just, you know, uh, an opportunity to wear a hospital badge that shows you're a volunteer. You got to be a damn good listener. It's mm. the, the peer support is the art of listening. Yeah. And and knowing because as as Jen pointed out, there's there's people who go blah blah blah. I don't want to hear by your story. That's right. We don't train you t- to just spend all your time telling about your 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 experience and stuff. You have to get them to talk about their experiences, where mm-hmm. they are, mm-hmm. and th- the the magic of peer support happens because you've given this person an opportunity to to express themselves where they are and mm-hmm. and and where they want to be mm. you know as the stages of grief are in there and as, as just as the stages of recovery there's a point where you want to focus on your where you're going mm. you know mm. and how to you know i used to do this i used to do that well you know what you can still do this you have to maybe make some adjustments but that's what survival is all about mm-hmm. and and so much of of peer support starts with validating them that they had the courage to come in and talk about it mm-hmm. or just to come into the room and listen yeah. that mm-hmm. that's just an awesome thing i just it that is is what drives me mm-hmm. i'm you know and I get Rich, I love what you said that like like goosebumps that you um and it made me think back to um like my early a while ago, my early training days when I started to become a mental health clinician and um the power uh that it sat with me one day where you know that this is not about being a cheerleader for people. It doesn't work for a lot of folks. Being like what Rich, what you do that's so beautiful is like that that balance of supporting and offering encouragement. Um, and offering support, but that comes from that listening, like what are they needing? And yeah, sometimes there are moments people need cheerleading, like, yeah, you got this. Um, but like really the cheerleading of like, if it's too much, it's not, it's, you know, that it's overwhelming for somebody. But the other piece of that too, I think in being a peer supporter and what you do really well is in sitting in the listening is tolerating the discomfort of somebody else, mm-hmm. right? Cause and even if, even if you have been in that space, you're not in that space anymore. And it's a lot to to sit and listen um, to intense emotion, right? Intense yeah. hopelessness um, yeah. and despair that some folks might be in. And so being able to also tell that discomfort to not step in to rescue somebody, right? Like peer support is not about rescuing. And if mm-hmm. you're like, if you're in it because it does more for your healing than their healing, it's time to take a step back or time to think about like reevaluate or like, you know, like you rich are always doing, like I'm always honing in my skills. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's human to want to do that. Right. It's so uncomfortable to listen to that. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm totally there. And, yeah. and Amber, it, it, when you talk about your, um, your, your have little shaky legs when it comes to being a peer supporter for an amputee, mm-hmm. I've, I, you know, one of some of my buddies who, who are amputees, it comes, 
you you too can do that. You can mm-hmm. be a peer supported positive because you have a way to to draw out, you know, what are their challenges? Not not, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's insurance, maybe it's the the discomfort of wearing a, a prosthetic or mm-hmm. I have to wear a prosthetic, you know. Mm-hmm. You're you're human, you're a survivor, you can listen. That's what makes you Mm. they'll come away going, wow, this was so nice talking to you. It's yeah. like, I don't have to be mm-hmm. an amputee to do that. Absolutely. No, and, and I think that's important because while somebody can probably relate more physically on that level to oh, yeah. talk about that, right? I think emotionally, we all go through the same kind of cycle and mm-hmm. yep. being able to sit. But yeah. you, you are both right in terms of lessening. So I think that's yeah. like a different a very good lesson to learn is how to like, not just sit there and hear someone, but really digest what they're saying and be able to process it to, and to be and, able to know what they need. Yeah. And mm-hmm. give them the feedback that, that validates that, that they were okay to open up mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we teach in the training is that mm-hmm. how, you know, how well you listen has to do with that communication. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, of course, it always starts with, with you got to be present mm-hmm. to win. Absolutely. You know, this is, this is, a, this is a team sport, but it, it, it means that you're all in. You can't come with your issues and concerns. You're mm-hmm. there for the, him or her. Um, or the family, you know, mm-hmm. that's also one of my favorites is because, you know, so many, so many emotions in the, in that room. Oof. It's, it's, it's so mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, one reason why I do love, you know, the Phoenix SOAR program in general is it's not just signing up people to go to hospitals to give peer support. It is a training, you know, it's not, there is work that goes in behind our peer supporters and the coordinators. I mean, the whole program, it's not as easy as maybe someone may think it is. It's like you said, you have to be a good listener. You have to be all in. Um, so I, I, I love the training, you know, it tr- truly does help. Um, you know, those peer supporters and you're constantly learning too. But I know we also have, you know, nurses and other healthcare professionals listening to the podcast. So I want to know from both of you, like, why should hospitals or burn units or wherever it is, why should people invest in a peer support program? Hmm. (laughs) I'm so grateful that that some (laughs) some institutions do make the commitment. well, and also we should say, at least when I worked on a burn unit um, to be accredited, you had to have one. Like they were moving to that. But so I guess my other question for Rich, if I could expand on that, is why should they invest in actually utilizing it? Mm. Not just saying you have it, right? Patient outcomes is the is the is the <laughs> magic word that that you know, as, as I get closer to. To, to looking at why institutions want to maintain it. It's like mm-hmm. just, just to have the positive outcomes of 
people returning them to the community, um, it it really is a um, uh, it's it's just another dimension to to your professional practice, whether mm -hmm. you're an administrator or whether you're a nurse, therapist, uh, uh, someone, uh, a new resident. What they have is they bring their skill to to an eager community who wants to know. We we had uh, we had a, a program called uh, Lunch Bunch, and we had the new uh, mm -hmm. laser burnt surgeon, plastic surgeon on. Oh my gosh, half hour! It was so much fun. We learned so much, and we got we were able to. I threw in questions that that I hear in peer support. Mm -hmm. It's an education for me, and you know, uh, Dr. Ian, he was like. Oh yeah, this is cool, and yeah, and he's he's got, and it, it's we need the the healthcare professionals' perspective and authority to be able to to say certain things. We're trained not to give medical advice. We're trained not to give recommendations for certain things for a good reason. We don't have that. Yeah, we're not we're not trained to do that. Just like I I'm not going to do, Jen's. I'm not going to console people or excuse me counsel people uh, i'm not trained to do that i'm mm -hmm. a volunteer to listen and mm -hmm. to and to and to provide support i, uh, I hope i answered your question i think and just to another another to like add on to that is you know hospitals the way that they're set up with all due respect is really to treat people and get them back into their life, right? So let's take care of, the, and when I say treat, it's take care of the physical piece of it. And I think through the world of oncology, I, I think this is right, um, at least from what I've seen, it people realize that people need more support than that, right? Um, so you saw out of oncology, a lot of acknowledgement of more groups, of more peer support, you know? <clears throat> I think some of that came from people getting treatment, just sitting, getting infusions, right? They would sit in these mm -hmm. rooms all together um, and connecting kind of just naturally that way. And so I think the acknowledgement that a whole hospital system that's there to treat you physically isn't going to be able to treat you emotionally. And the reality is, especially, you know, with a burn injury, you're at the beginning stages, you are so worried about your physical recovery, that the lived experience of how am I going to live with this sometimes doesn't kick in until you get home. Uh, 100%. whatever you thought your life was going to be, or you're trying to get back to, you know, and there are other pieces and that's when the anxiety or the depression or mm -hmm. the post-traumatic stress that we know a lot of people experience. And, and, and quite frankly, I think we don't do a good enough job of educating people in hospital that you may have post, you're going to have post-traumatic stress, mm -hmm. but because I tell people that, and that's what they're experiencing is normal. Then they get a disorder. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, they're alone and isolated and so the outcomes right it's the aftercare we can't forget the human beings need support to learn how to be live with my whole like we've talked about like my my definition is trauma is anything that shifts your identity without your permission Ooh, right I and so how, yeah. so how do we how do, how do i live this new identity how do who mm. am i and that takes time that doesn't happen mm -hmm. overnight that takes time but doing it with the support of a community of other people who get it, people who are trained to get it, um, people who understand, people who are passionate about this. Don't you don't have to do this alone? 
Hmm. here for you. We can help you. And can we completely fix it? No, we can't. But we are here to help you navigate that, right? And empower you to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think the success rates of that, I mean, there's so much research coming down. Like here in Boston, there's like a new institute and some folks that are looking at treating mental health and then physical, like and doing it conjointly. Um, You go Mm -hmm. see a primary care, you go see a therapist, and then you talk to the primary care doctor, which is kind of interesting. (laughs) And so if you look at outcomes, keeping people out of hospitals, it sounds awful, but like keeping people out of hospitals, Mm -hmm. um, if they have more support, I think they can start to see that what's what's actually a physical ailment versus an emotional ailment. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, is this anxiety or is this like my gut hurts because I actually have like an ulcer? <laughs> you know, right, right. or both. Um, but you know, is in, in getting support for like you know the itching and the pain and you know some of it can be treated medically some of it can actually be treated not treated completely but supported um easier to tolerate maybe mm-hmm. with peer support with acknowledgement from other people that community so mm-hmm. i think that's so powerful mm-hmm. yeah i know for me in my experience right you're right like i think if i let anxiety get the best of me and if i didn't have had peers or you know wasn't connected with peer support, I probably would have shown up to the the hospital again, just to ask why my pants don't fit anymore or why, why I'm like itching all the time. So I think um, that's so important to know, like, cause I think having gotten that support so early on, and we talk a lot about that here at Phoenix society, yeah. like, the sooner we can get that support, I think the more helpful it was for me on my journey of like, things are going to come and go. I'm going to need other surgeries, whether it's laser or whatnot. But throughout that, I had folks like Rich who I could turn to and just say, I'm dealing with a lot of stuff right now. Like, and, and he's there to support through that journey. So Mm -hmm. I think that's super important. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really comes down to institutions, hospitals can't, don't have the resources to mm-hmm. to hold the, the hand of this person on on yeah. his or her journey, yeah. but they'd come across as winners if they supported an aftercare program mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. ensured positive success. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not about marketing. It's about it's about making sure that this the mission of the hospital has been fulfilled they've mm-hmm. they've got because we'll help as best we can yeah. but when it comes down to the mechanics or the in- infections and the like there's mm-hmm. a place for that mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. well and i think it's helpful too for you know unfortunately there's not burn centers as nearby as you know just a normal hospital or an er so when people are hours away from their closest burn unit i'm not trying to tell people not to go if they're concerned but you can connect a much easier with someone just to ask questions about itch or what is like what's happening or some just those basic peer support questions can be so much more accessible Yeah. yeah We hit, so, we, that's, that's our, I'm sorry, but that's, that's exactly our mission at UC Davis Health is because we go from the, from Western Nevada to the Southern Oregon, all the way to the, you know, some parts partially way down the, the Central Valley. The Bay Area has such a 
that has two burn centers and they need it because there's the populations are so great there but mm -hmm. we all collaborate and it's you know my, my burn pals come from all over for hours away mm -hmm. you know, it's it's just as easy to to talk with my pals in, in Yarrington, Nevada as it is in Redding, California. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. it's all about this this tool of bringing it to them is it's for it's just wonderful. Sorry, go ahead, Amber. No, you're okay. Well, we're wrapping up on time here. So, um I know Rachel and I have some final questions for for both of you. I think Jen has already heard these questions, but Rich, this is going to be our <clears throat> Any survivor that joins our our podcast, we have to ask them two questions. So my question for you, and Jen can still share hers, is what does self-care look like for you? Hmm. As he takes a deep breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> self-care, that's a great question because I don't realize that it's self-care until mm. I'm in it. And then mm -hmm. I go, oh, yeah, I needed that. Mm -hmm. Self-care is um, making sure that the fuel you put inside you is quality and isn't um, adding to your to your grief or your mm -hmm. or your or your concerns. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not telling you you can't eat broccoli, but I'm saying, hey, try it. <laughs> but but so. <laughs> what you put in your body is really important how you take care of your body after and i've, I've learned gosh i've learned from you amber about <laughs> it's the breathing you know it, uh, and breathing and concentrating because i also had a, a, a traumatic brain injury you know because i hit my head hit the instrument panel and i was out for many days and took a mm. while to get to mm. regain and to regain myself but one of the things i learned is to care for when i'm stressed is to bring down the the stimulations whether it's mm -hmm. my desk lamp or the lighting in the room mm -hmm. shutting off the other sources so self-care to me means taking care of my the quiet the noise in my head mm -hmm. making sure that i'm well fed and watered and you know just like with my chickens it's you, you gotta <laughs> treat them you gotta treat them with care and they reward you with with eggs and they you know <laughs> my self-care rewards me with with a with a positive disposition uh, you know. i love Sorry. that that's beautiful that help. no that was beautiful jen do you have anything to add to that i know jen self-care is I think you shared this with us too, but I'll let you kind of share it again. I want to hear it. My mind probably changes, right? Like it changes week to week, especially as like I spend so much time caring <laughs> other people and supporting other people and navigating their self-care. Um, I mean, we've talked before about, I mean, the, the camp, the, I mean, doing some of it, it seems silly, like doing these kind of things to me are self-care because um, it just, it really is meaningful to me. So really finding things that are meaningful. Um, Rich, you're right. Like, the I don't know if you guys watched Jonah Hill's documentary about his therapist. I haven't yet, but I've heard it was really good. It is fantastic. It's fantastic. oh, I'm going to have to now. Fantastic. Um, but one of the first things his therapist says is, um, "Is you got to take care of your body." 
And when you do that, you will feel better by 80%. And I, I, it's so rich. You're right. What you put in your body, what you nurture it with, um, you know, sleep, getting movement, whatever that looks like. I don't think it has to be these huge exercises, but movement. Amber, you know that from, you know, yoga, there's that movement mm -hmm. alone. Um, so that is great. But I think, you know, finding things that are meaningful to you, um, at least for me, one sleep, sleep, super, super sleep and hydration. Are also really important. Um, we forget how hydration is super, super important for us. Um, but really yeah, how much water you'd take in and all the naps. I know a, a nap is a powerful thing. I will tell you that in, yeah. you know, just a, a quick 30 minute nap will go a long way. I think <laughs> on that. there's a book that came out about the research of naps. Yeah. Yeah, just great. So, um, so yeah, doing all those things. But I will say, like, advice for people trying to figure out self care, right? Because I struggle with this too. Like, I got to do all the things. If I'm not doing all the things, just do one. Hmm. One for that day. Is today hydration? Is today getting extra sleep or taking that nap, that mm -hmm. rest? Just you know, do do one. And I struggle with that. Like, I can't, you can't do it all. It's a process, right? So listen to what you need. Um, and what's, mm -hmm. what do I need today? All right. Well, I might need a little extra nap. I got a little sinus stuff going on. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, I, so I'm not a napper, but sleep is definitely one of my top self cares. I look forward to sleeping in on the weekends every week. So mm. looking forward to doing that tomorrow. <laughs> my husband, and, Tyler and I all schedule the, the, the naps like, Oh, you know, this Saturday afternoon, we had a, <laughs> a long morning. You want to go take a nap? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Love, love that. that. <laughs> love, love, love. Yes. Yeah. And Rich, we do have one final question for okay. you. Um, so we talk a lot about anniversaries on this podcast, and I would love to know if you celebrate your anniversary in any special way. If you don't, that's okay too. We just sometimes they're they're unique ways people celebrate, and we always love to hear. I I do I do, and uh, it. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to sound uh, um, boasting or anything, but I've learned that it's my day to celebrate that I'm here mm. and that life is too short. So um, on, on my birthday and my rebirthday, I call it my rebirthday. Nothing spiritual about it, but um, I donate blood or plasma, mm. and I get a great lunch with wine <laughs> because <laughs> because I'm not I'm not working at the same intensity mm. level. I will schedule client calls, field visits. It's rare that I have to work on my rebirthday. Mm -hmm. which is June 23rd and <clears throat> I will take care of myself. That's, mm -hmm. that's in my ultimate mm -hmm. self-care day. I will go for a, a nice ride if the weather's right. Cause I'm a baby. I'm not, if it's, if it's raining out, I'm not going out there, but <laughs> when, when it's a, a really nice day. So I've really, uh, it's, it's about me. So, mm, that. it's sorry. the ultimate self-care day it is it is that's my right. ultimate self-care thank you so much because that's a great that's a great question and yes. i'm and i'm i'm you know i there's such a need for for blood products and and, and plasma and platelets mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's shit it's 
two hours of my time. Big deal. I watched I watch movie, you know, and and they take such good care for me. Um, so so that's that's what I do on my on my rebirth day. Love that. Love that. yourself. I mean, you've done all the hard work to exactly, exactly, and still give back. And, and then give back, right? It's meaningful. Yeah, I love that. I I I'm the more I read about how the oncology scene, you know, people. Uh, people, uh, their their systems get trashed with the, their their blood's just uh, obliterated, and, and part of what you're giving back when you're when you're donating is that that uh, that recovery. So it's it's still a part of supporting your community. Uh, there's a huge need right now too, uh, nationwide. So. Mm-hmm. Well, well, as we close out here today, um, I do want to pause for just a moment before we wrap up and just thank our season one podcast sponsor. This is our season finale. So first and foremost, I want to thank everyone for for listening and tuning in. But the Pritzker Hagman Burn Injury Legal Team helps burn survivors and their loved ones pursue compensation and justice throughout the United States. If you have any legal questions for them, the attorneys at Pritzker Hagman are ready to help. And you can find out more at LegalJourney.Guide. Yes, thank you so much, Rich and Jen, for joining us for the season one finale. Um, I do want to also give everyone an update. Season two will be premiering February 1st, so not that too far away. And we have a very special guest of the name Ketchy joining us for the first episode of season two. So um, be on the lookout. Join us um, on the first. But I could not have imagined our put together a better season one finale with um, you both, Rich and Jen. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. We have been getting comments galore of folks super excited to to see both of you on this podcast. So I'm going to thank everyone who's (laughs) watching live today as well. And come come see us virtually. Come to the Burn Survivor peer support, um, virtual peer support every other week, second and fourth Mondays. Right. Yeah. Or yes. join our Facebook community. All of those links will be in the podcast descriptions. If you're not familiar with the Facebook community or the virtual support options, we will make sure that you get those links so you can see Jen and usually Rich's face as well on those Monday night support groups too. And or even yours sometimes. And, and mine. Yeah, usually mine as well. <laughs> Come on sometime. <laughs> we, we need it. We need it. And thanks. Thanks to both of you. This is, I love this. I love this platform, and uh, this is this is so so delightful, and 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 I was tickled to see some of the some of my friends check in there and <laughs> wave wave to Gina and Howard and all those all those knuckleheads. <laughs> well, awesome! Thank you so much. We will talk to you both very soon. Have a great, great. rest of your day, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Girls with Crafts. If you are enjoying this content, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.